This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As promised some time back, we're looking forward to our chat in our second segment today with Dr. Douglas Perednia. He's the author of a fascinating book titled Overhauling America's Healthcare Machine. This is the first, I would say, actually, this is the only analysis I've seen of America's healthcare system and why it's failing that uh, resonates with uh, this correspondent. And we're looking forward to talking with him today, first about the uh, actual situation, which no one else, I think, has addressed properly. And probably next week or the week after, we'll do a subsequent chat about what we can do to fix it. The good doc has done a tremendously uh, incisive analysis of what's wrong and has some opinions as to how things can be put right. And we're looking very forward to our chat in segment two with Dr. Perednia. Another we are one of the uh, rare public affairs programs that occasionally does obituaries. We will be talking in our third segment, of course, about one of our more notable obituaries in recent times, that of Osama bin Laden who uh, we're pretty sure is now burning in hell. But the long overdue death of Mr. Bin Laden, which only took 3,519 days after the attacks of September 11th, was not the only item of note in the past few days. We have a few other uh, curious news items we need to kick around as well. But let's begin this program as we like to do with On This Date in History. The date in question is May 5th, also known as the Cinco de Mayo. It was on May 5th in 1821 that the French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte died in exile on the remote island of St. Helena in the mid-Atlantic Ocean. In a previous incarnation of this program called Reality Radio, which aired on Access Sacramento, we spent an hour, I think, talking about Napoleon Bonaparte and his uh, remarkable life, and we probably should uh, review that uh, on this program at some point, but not today. We'll note instead that it was on May 5th in 1847 that the American Medical Association was organized in Philadelphia. The AMA was once the 800-pound gorilla of Washington lobbying. As far as this correspondent can tell, it was completely co-opted somewhere along the way by corporate interests. Not coincidentally, American doctors lost control of American medicine along the way. On May 5th in 1955... The Federal Republic of Germany, or West Germany, was born as the U.S., Great Britain, and France ended their military occupations begun at the end of World War II. The move gave Germany the right to rearm. The U.S. military occupation of Iraq is now in its ninth year. We hope that by the time ten years are up, we are uh, declaring it a sovereign nation in control of its own fate. On that same day, May 5th in 1955, the musical Damn Yankees, mixing baseball and ballet, opened in New York City. It was a smash hit and ran for 1,019 performances. I had a chance to see Damn Yankees a few years back on the stage in San Francisco featuring Jerry Lewis as Applegate the Devil. <laughs> i got to say, Jerry Lewis was pretty good, and so was everything else about the production, which includes such great tunes as Mr. McMillan. What have we got? Never win. 
that's when the grin should start. Now you're getting an idea. We got hope. We don't sit around and mope. Not a solitary sod do we heed. On May 5th of 1961, America finally got into space when astronaut Alan Shepard made a 15-minute suborbital flight in a capsule launched from Cape Canaveral. On April 12th the previous month, Yuri Gagarin had actually orbited the Earth in a Soviet space capsule, which frankly is a lot tougher to do than a suborbital flight. There's this talk of space tourism and taking people up and shooting them up into space for a few minutes and bringing them back down again. That's a lot easier than it is to put a person into orbit. Still, Alan Shepard was America's counterattack and what was to be eventually a race to the moon, in which America did triumph. Well, at least in terms of putting a man down on the moon. The, Re the Russians pretty much won every other uh, significant race up till then. But let's back up a minute to talk about the Cinco de Mayo. This particular holiday is only celebrated in the Mexican state of Puebla and the U.S., we should note, is definitely not Mexican Independence Day, was more or less invented in the early 70s to give Mexican-Americans something to cheer. Mexican people in this country had, uh, had been, uh, I would say, put down for, for many a generation. And uh, this battle of Puebla, which took place on, on the Cinco de Mayo, was used as an excuse to, uh, to celebrate Mexican culture. But doggone it, let's, let's talk about it. This holiday celebrates the Mexican army's unlikely victory over French forces at the Battle of Puebla, which took place on May 5th in 1862. The Mexicans were led by General Ignacio Zaragoza and was quite unexpected, not the least of which were the fact that the Mexicans were outnumbered two or three to one. Let's do a little history review. Me Americans may be unaware of the fact that France actually occupied Mexico for several years, more or less coincidental with our own civil war. Mexico was experiencing some hard times about this time in the wake of the Mexican-American War of 1846, the Mexican Civil War of 1858, and the Reform Wars that took place in Mexico in 1860. The Mexican Treasury was in ruins, nearly bankrupt. So on July 17, 1861, Mexican President Benito Juarez issued a moratorium in which all foreign debt payments would be suspended for two years, with a promise that after that, payments would resume. In response, France, Britain, and Spain sent naval forces to Veracruz to demand reimbursement. Britain and Spain negotiated with Mexico and withdrew. France, at the time ruled by Napoleon III, nephew, as I recall my history of, uh, of Napoleon Bonaparte, decided to use the opportunity to establish a Latin American empire in Mexico that would favor French interests. Now, it's thought by some that France had the idea that it might help break up the American Union, which, of course, was at that time in the middle of a civil war, by helping the Confederacy. With the U.S. of A. distracted by its own troubles, um, France did see an opportunity to get a toehold in the New World. So, after a well-armed fleet stormed Veracruz and moved inland, President Juarez and his government had to retreat. Marching toward Mexico City, the French army encountered heavy resistance from the Mexicans near Puebla, and an 8,000-strong French army attacked the much poorer-equipped Mexican army of perhaps 4,000. Yet the Mexicans managed to decisively crush the French army, considered the best of its time and one that had not been defeated for almost 50 years, since Waterloo, I guess.
It's noted that the, the defeat by the French army had consequences for the USA. It denied them the opportunity to resupply the Confederate rebels for at least a year. And there were, at the time, fears in the U.S. the French would use Mexico. Um, and at the time, with all these uh, shenanigans south of the Rio Grande, President Lincoln and his Secretary of State had gone out of their way to appear neutral in the Mexican situation. They were not keen to take on the Confederates and the French at the same time. should be noted that the Mexican victory, however, did not mean that they won the war. France was able to depose the Mexican army, capture Mexico City, and establish Emperor Maximilian I as ruler of Mexico. However, the French uh, rule there lasted only about three years. With the, after the Civil War ended in 1865, the U.S. was able to provide more assistance to Mexico to expel the foreign invaders which they did. Maximilian I was captured and executed by the Mexicans along with his generals. Anyway, I didn't mean to necessarily go on that long about it, but it'll give you something to talk about tonight as you hoist back a few Coronas, or Tecates, or Bohemias. And this correspondent is unaware of whether uh, the uh, Mexican talent for making great beer goes back to this era, but I do know that when you go to a panaderia, a lot of the pastries that you can purchase do date back to this era. The French did leave a legacy in Mexico in their love of pastry. Or so I've been told. All right, our quote of the day, and I hate to say we, we did intend to go the rest of the show and never mention the term Lady Gaga again, but the review in the Week magazine about uh, Lady Gaga presents the Monsters Ball tour at Madison Square Garden did catch our eye. Said the magazine, Gaga's mainstream dance pop isn't as distinctive as her outrageous costumes. But the show is eye-filling, sometimes raunchy, fun, and beneath all the glitz, its narrative of self-affirmation and tolerance has the ring of sincerity. And you know, doggone it, that's what people say about Radio Parallax. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, you know, your narrative of self-affirmation and tolerance does have the ring of sincerity. Actually, we have no idea what they're talking about. Aww. Our quip of the day comes from uh, our friend Don Rose's tweet. Actually, it's a, line, it's a line I gave Don to use. In the wake of the news about bin Laden, I suggested he tweet, Birthers unconvinced. Demand to see long form of bin Laden death certificate. Our joke of the day comes from the Dave Barry calendar, which we, we do have to thank a contributor, Elise, for sending us. Said Dave Barry... I started lifting weights, but not for the reason you think. You think I want to look cut and ripped and have bulging muscles like the one on male underwear models, who for some reason are always shown posing outdoors, looking sullen, as if a group of even more muscular models had stolen their pants. Our stat of the day is $1 billion over the next five years. That's the estimates of the amount of sales on absinthe that France could reach in the wake of its repealing a ban on the liqueur. The bitter green liquid had been barred since 1915, but they feel that the now tiny French market for the spirit, the favorite of artists such as Arthur Rimbaud and Vincent van Gogh, could reach that figure we cited, a billion dollars in the next five years. At least that's the optimistic forecast of George Rowley of British absinthe maker La Fay. By the way, you can get absinthe here in America now. You've been able to get it for some time. And, you know, 
Mr. McMillan and I have uh, have taken a snoot and uh, can report that it, it tastes pretty good and does not give you all kinds of weird hallucinogenic experiences, which were attributed to the wormwood in the liquid. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, it was a good week last week for New York City cab driver Mohammed Alam when he got the fare of a lifetime, $5,000, in fact, to drive New Jersey residents John Belitsky and Dan Wilbin from New York to L.A. The six-day journey was Belitsky's spur-of-the-moment idea for a birthday adventure. Noted reports Alam was able to live his childhood dream of seeing Universal Studios. He commented, nothing is impossible in this world. We can do everything, whatever we want. Said Belitsky, the cabbie might have enjoyed the trip even more than he did. On the other hand, it was a bad week for powers of concentration in the library in the wake of New York public library officials announcing that viewing Internet porn on library computers is, in fact, protected by the First Amendment, even if the groaning <laughs> disturbs others. A library spokesman said, customers can watch whatever they want on the computer. All right, and finally, it was an ugly week last week for the Orange County, Florida Fire Department. This is in the wake of a home next door to the firehouse burning down before firefighters could respond. Said a fire department spokesman, this is one of the busiest fire stations in the nation. Very, very busy. Obviously, we don't have people standing on the roof all night long looking for fires. We did make an effort to get local fire authorities to comment on this case. They declined. And by the way, local police and fire may be facing some deep cuts. City of Sacramento issued a budget uh, last week, which indicates that perhaps uh, 80 police officers might lose their jobs, given a $32 million cut in spending. This uh, loss of revenue is going to probably cause an elimination of the gang, narcotics, auto theft, and problem-oriented policing units. One thing I noticed not in the chopping block, meter maids. One of the idiot policies of the uh, city of Sacramento, which has done a great deal of harm to commerce downtown, is to zealously ticket people. And of course, the, uh, the supposed lack of revenue for police might explain why it was that when I got my wallet stolen last Friday... And by the way, fellow members of the Alhambra Athletic Club in Sacramento, it's time to quit leaving your key on the hook. We've gotten away with it for a long time. I've done it for, I don't know, probably two decades now, but not anymore. But uh, shortly after I realized that I'd been ripped off, I saw a police car out in the parking lot and ran after him. Well, it turned out it was a CHP officer who wouldn't be investigating such a thing. But he suggested that when I filed the police report, online because I couldn't reach a human being on the phone that I try and entice their interest with the fact that the security cameras may have caught the perp. I gotta say, it's getting pretty bad when you have to, like, uh, decide how you're gonna market the crime to the police to see if they'll investigate. And let's take a few minutes to talk about uh, police and judicial issues. Well, here's one. Sacramento law enforcement agencies uh, this week... 
partnered, don't you love that word as a, as a verb, partnered with the USDA to combat prescription drug abuse, article by Matt Kawahara in the Sacramento Bee. Um, this is being made out to be some huge issue, and it is a significant issue. We've talked about this. Flushing large amounts of prescription drugs down your toilet puts them into the, basically the, uh, the water supply of, of, of the state. But, of course, the thrust in the, on this is from the DEA's idea that pills stored for a long time in home medicine cabinets are highly susceptible to misuse. Yeah, I know. And then this article quotes a Sacramento police spokesperson saying this initiative addresses a vital public safety and public health issue. Yeah, that, that's true. And you know what? Another public health issue is people who steal wallets <laughs> out of your locker that you don't investigate. That's something you might want to consider picking up on. Yes, it's true. Drugs are abused. Yes, it's true that, uh, you know, this is something that uh, needs to be uh, taken care of. And a program like this is good. I just hope that the medicines that are not expired are being used in other countries or being, you know, reused in some fashion and not incinerated. I do hasten to add that that opinion, like all those heard in this program, do not necessarily reflect those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. All right, and a couple other miscellaneous judicial items. Apparently, apparently in documents uh, filed with the federal court in Los Angeles, uh, Sirhan Sirhan's new lawyer has presented evidence that uh, the assassin was, was manipulated by a seductive girl in a mind-control plot to shoot Senator Robert Kennedy. You know, a long time ago, we spoke with uh, one of Sirhan's attorneys about this very issue, and although this seems uh, crazy and preposterous on the face of it, there is compelling evidence that there was a mysterious girl in a polka dot polka dot dress that had something to do with Sirhan's presence in the pantry of the Ambassador Hotel, and the evidence that there was a second gun that day is pretty persuasive, but uh, we don't have time to review that one today. But you know what? Come next month on the anniversary, we may talk about that again. And a June 13th hearing has been scheduled on whether a ruling that struck down California's gay marriage ban should be thrown out because the judge is in a same-sex relationship. Chief U.S. District Judge James Ware said last week he was fast-tracking the motion involving his retired predecessor, former Chief Judge Vaughn Walker. Yeah, you bet we'll take a look at that next month as well. But uh, let's take a break and come back and talk to a very interesting doctor about a very interesting book that he's written. The doctor is Douglas Peredney, and the book is Overhauling America's Healthcare Machine. You don't want to miss this one. Stick around. 